like at the beginning of fat, Jono is like, oh, the lectern's Emma-sized. Well, now the lectern's Jono-sized. It's really high. Oh, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to try because I'm not heat strong. Awesome. Hey, who was eating a hot dog over there? Whoever it was is disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. Total mess, total mess. Um, coming around is, is some chips. You should all take one, but only one. Yeah, chips. They're just plain chips. Everyone likes plain chips. You can eat it. You can definitely eat it. Hey, do my chip hander outers want to give me like a thumbs up when they're ish done? Sweet. Also, how delicious are plain chips? They're my favourite. Oh, no, that's so good. I'm going to reattempt the lectern. Yeah, Sophie, come do it. Good one, Sophie. Is it the bottom one or is it the top one? It's not really hard. Yeah, but it's stuck. Where is done? Okay. Try the, the bottom one, maybe? What does the bottom one do? Yeah, it feels wrong though. What is it? Nope, I bet we, we tighten the bottom one again. And we, it started wobbling, that scared me. Hey, who wants a bit of green wire? It's yours, Erica. Can you fix it? Oh, the little one. Hey, that's smart. I'm, I'm so small? embarrassed. Is that one short enough? Um, it's, it's a bit short, to be honest. I'm not quite that small. Oh, careful, careful, I've got, I've got markers. <laughs> It's like sky-sized, because she's smaller than me. Yeah, only a little bit, I know, whatever. Ah, oh, man, the things you learn, right? Things you learn. Cool. Um, has everyone had a chip? Have most of you had chips? Hey, April, can I grab a chip? I really want a chip. Oh, yes, a wish chip. Mm. Nice. Now, you guys who had a chip, are you satisfied? Well, neither. Really not. If I gave you another chip, do you reckon you'd be satisfied? Probably not. I, I don't think I'd be satisfied. If I gave you a whole bag of chips, would you be satisfied? In a week, would you be satisfied with the bag of chips that I gave you? You want one chip. Oh, that's rare. If I gave you another bag of chips in a week, and a week later, would you be satisfied? Or would you be left with a feeling of dissatisfaction? That's not enough. I, I need more to be happy, or, or I need something else to be happy. We'll never really be happy unless we're satisfied, yeah? But can anything really satisfy us forever? Where do you reckon the hardest place to be satisfied would be? Shout it out real quick. At home? Man, I'm satisfied at home most of the time. 
Prison would be pretty bad. I reckon the desert. Okay, I get the point. I get the point. School sucks. We all know it. All right. I reckon the hardest place for me to be satisfied would be the desert. Pretty hard to be satisfied in the desert, hey? Well, the psalm that we read, um, David's actually in the desert at the time. So look with me at the heading of the psalm. Um, It says, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. I mean, no one wants to be in the desert. But we see in this psalm, David has a different perspective on life than I think I'd have in that situation. David does two things in this psalm. He says, God is satisfying, so I will seek him. Look at verse 5. It says, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Even though David is in the desert, he is satisfied because he has a relationship with God. God is so good that he's completely happy no matter what else is going on in his life. He's satisfied because he knows how totally good God is. Because he knows God has everything he needs to satisfy him, to make him happy, even when he's in the desert. God is able to satisfy us completely forever. It's like the 40-hour famine. Who's done the 40-hour famine? Yeah? I was always a wuss and didn't quite do it properly. I always did furniture because I get really sick if I don't eat food. (laughs) It was awesome. Um, All you want to do when you haven't eaten food for 40 hours is taste something really delicious. A stick of celery isn't going to do you. You you don't want to have a piece of carrot. You want that big piece of mud cake. You really like that chocolatey and delicious and rich, amazing. David says God is that good. He's as good as the richest foods. So what does it mean to seek him? It means to want to try to grow in knowledge and love of God. To want and try to grow in your love and knowledge of God. Now we hear you say, God, satisfying. How can David be satisfied in God when he's hungry and tired? And my guess is he's hot because the Middle East is really hot. How can he be satisfied in a dude he can't even see? And a dude that's not helping him. It's not like God has zapped him a house and a nice stream of fresh water to drink. David gives three reasons for being satisfied in God. And then he gives us three ways that we should respond in seeking God. So the first one, God is powerful and glorious. David says, now look at verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. I love that word, beheld. I think it's really cool. I'm an English nerd sometimes when it suits me. But it's such a powerful word, beheld. It's like... IMAX. Who's been to the IMAX? I love the IMAX. It's awesome. I used to go see the Harry Potter movies at the IMAX. Um, it's sick. I love it. So you go to Hoyt's normally, like you, you pop on over to Erin or maybe you go to Greater Union at Tugra. And like screen's pretty big, right? Like they're pretty big screens. You're pretty impressed. It's bigger than my screen at home by like 70 times. But you go to IMAX and you're like, you sit in the seat and you're like, whoa. Like when I sit there, I can't even see the edges of the screen. It's so big. You sit, yeah, it's embarrassing, I know. I'm heaps little or something. But you can't see the edge of the screen and and you sit back and you're like, whoa, it feels like you're inside the movie. You behold the screen at IMAX. Hoyt's is impressive, 
the IMAX, whoa, it's huge. David says God is like that. He's so powerful and glorious. You just sit back and you're like, whoa, flawed, completely flawed. You can't even take him in. That's the God that David is satisfied in. In Exodus, uh, Moses gets to chat with God. Moses is, is a dude in the Old Testament. Um, and there's a passage that shows us when he's coming back um, from his chat with God to join the Israelites. It's in uh, Exodus 34, 29 to 30. It'll come up on the screen, so read along. Um, and it says, let me look it up. Uh, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. That is a powerful and glorious God, isn't it? A God who just by speaking to him, Moses' face glowed. But we see God's power and his glory most in Jesus, in what Jesus did for us. Jesus came as a human and even though he was completely innocent, He died in our place. He took our sin upon himself and he paid the price for it. Um, There's another passage that will come up, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 11. Um, And it says, uh, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? There's lots of glories in that. It's a bit confusing. Um, But basically what he's saying is God's glory is shown in Jesus and That glory shown in Jesus is so much better than the glory shown in Moses because it's eternal. It goes on forever. Moses' glory was passing, but Jesus' glory is eternal. So we've got God is powerful and glorious. He's satisfying because he's powerful and glorious. So I will seek him by remembering him. Hazy talked about this last week, if you remember. Um, about remembering God? Well, this is our motivation, David says. Our motivation is because God is powerful and glorious. Look at verse 6. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. David says when it's dark, when I'm alone, when I'm in the desert, nothing seems to be going right. When I pull the sucky night shift at work, when I'm away from all my mates at youth, when my mates are being heaps mean to me, when Emma's monotone voice is droning from the front, I will remember you, God. I'll remember you, God. So how do we remember? We read his word. We dwell on all he's done for us. Read his word. Remember God because he's glorious and powerful. Number two, God satisfies because he is loving. Look at verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. God's love is better than life. It's a a big statement. He 
saying his love is better than life in everything in life, better than your family, better than your friends, better than money, better than sex, better than your boyfriend's love or your girlfriend's love. God's love is better than everything in life. God's love is satisfying, more satisfying than anything in this life. We saw this on fat in Hebrews. Um, We saw it in Jono's idolatry talks. God's love is better. Look at Romans 5.8. It's going to come up. Um, It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is most clearly seen in in Jesus' death in our place so that we could be in relationship with God. And then again, 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. God is loving, so I will thirst for him. Look at verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Let's remember where David is. He's in the desert. He's in a dry and weary land. He'd be pretty thirsty, I imagine. There's not heaps of water in the desert. But he says, I thirst for you, God. My soul, my whole being, everything that I am, I deny my physical need for water because I thirst for you. David thirsts for for God and he thirsts for his word and he thirsts for his love and he thirsts for his will. How do we seek God? We thirst for him. We read his word. We pray because we can have relationship with God. Three, God is our refuge. Who knows what a refuge is? Uh, It's tricky. It's a big word. It's not really. It's like six letters. Um, So it's a little like uh, most people know Superman, yeah? He's got this place called the Fortress of Solitude. I'm really sorry if you're not a nerd, but I'm a heaps big nerd, so for me this is totally normal. (laughs) (laughs) Superman has this huge ice castle in like the North Pole and he goes there to be alone with his thoughts, to remember the people he loves, and he feels safe there. It's like a home to him. He's safe. That's what a refuge is. It's, it's a place of support, a place where you feel safe. And it's not necessarily an actual place. Um, like, it can be a person. So for me, I've got um, a really good friend. Um, and when I'm feeling sad or, or I need comforting or I need to feel safe, I call her up and have a chat or I, you know, have coffee with her. Maybe it's your mum. Maybe it's your dog. Maybe all you want to do is hug your dog when you're sad. It's totally a normal thing. I hug my cats all the time. Wow, I'm a crazy cat lady, aren't I? Look at verse 7. Um, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. God is David's help. He feels safe in the shadow of God's wings. For me, this brings like an image of a bird and like her little eggs, because the bird's a girl, obviously, and she's like protecting her eggs with her wings or uh, like a big buff dad, broad shoulders, protecting his kid, his arms wrapped around him. David says, this is the God who protects me, who keeps me safe. It seems crazy that David says this. He's in the desert. He, he's just wandering around. He's not safe. He doesn't even have the basic things he needs to survive. He doesn't have food. He doesn't have water. He doesn't have shelter or a bed. 
But David says, God is my protection. He is my help and my refuge. And David knows he needs a refuge. I think we all do at times. In the past two months, it's been a bit ridiculous. I've had three family members in car crashes. Uh, My dad got hit by a guy on a motorcycle and was pretty badly injured. I've had four friends in hospital. One, Tammy, you know her. She had a really bad head injury. Um, Another, my best friend, Francesca, she had a swollen brain, a temperature of 41 and a half, and was so close to death, it was crazy. Doctors didn't even know it was wrong. But for me, the worst, and don't laugh, I actually really do love my cats, and I love my friends, and it sucked that they were hurt, but after everything, my cat went missing for a couple days, and that's really abnormal. And when he came back, his whole cheek was missing, and I could like see his teeth and his bones, sorry if you're a bit squeamish, I could see his teeth and his muscles and his tendons through his cheek. And we found out that he'd had infected teeth for about six months, he'd been in pain for six months, um, and one of them was so bad that it had caused an abscess which had exploded and ripped the side of his face off. And he'd run away to die. Thankfully, we found him and he's okay now. He looks a bit silly, um, but he's okay. But that was the worst day of my life. I felt like my whole world was coming down on me. It was falling to pieces. And you know what? I think David was worse off. I still had friends. I still had a family. I still had a roof over my head. I had a bed. I had food and water. David had none of that, but he still said, God is my refuge. God doesn't promise to keep our lives free from all the bad stuff, as evidenced by my last two months, but he does promise to be our refuge, a safe place where we can turn to be comforted and to get help. He will help us get through it. God is our refuge. So I will cling to him. Cling to him. If Jesus is the one who helps us through the hard stuff, cling to him with all you have because the hard stuff is coming. Look at verse 8. My soul clings to you. Cling to your saviour. Cling to Jesus because as we heard on fat, he is better He's better than anything else. Don't drift away. Cling to him because he alone can save. Eternal and total satisfaction in God. It's not like eating a chip and and wanting another one three seconds later or eating a bag and wanting another one in an hour. This is eternal satisfaction. He is powerful and glorious. He is loving and he's our refuge. So remember him, thirst for him, and cling to him. God is satisfying. So seek him. I'm going to pray. Oh, Lord, you are powerful and glorious, Lord. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us, and that he was raised back to life, Lord, that he has conquered death, that we know we can be in relationship with you and that we can spend eternity with you, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you that it is better than life, Lord. We thank you that you have loved us even when we hated you. And we thank you that you are our refuge, Lord. We thank you that you comfort us and that you offer us help. Lord, we pray that you would help us seek you. 
Help us remember you, what you have done for us and how powerful and glorious you are. Help us thirst for you and help us cling to you. Help us not drift away, but see how great you are and never let go. We pray these things for your glory. Amen.